0: There was a line in that uh, song, my body's not my own. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. I just caught a vision of the Spirit coming down and coming into 60 bodies on stage. Can you imagine that? All 60 of these kids possessed by the Spirit of God and entering into this world and living for Christ. I don't know about you, that's that's overwhelming for me. Let's pray together. Father, I just want to thank you for these kids. I want to thank you for their love for you. I want to thank you that they sing of you. I want to thank you that they're willing to forsake themselves and be yours. We sung it. We mean it. It's not just words. Lord, the parents in this room have their kids here because they want their kids to enjoy life in Christ. They want them to be possessed by your spirit. Lord, please don't let us lose a one. Let them all be yours. Let them all be radically transformed by you and enter this world living lives worthy of the gospel, worthy of Christ, giving you honor and glory both now and forever. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Open your Bibles with me to first uh, chapter of Philippians. We're looking this morning at verses 27 to the end of this chapter, 27 through 30. Hear now God's word. Philippians 1, beginning at verse 27, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or am absent, you know, Paul wanted to come and preach and teach to the Philippians again. He was in jail for the gospel. He hoped to see them again. But he says, now, I don't know if I'm going to get to come. I I, I want to come, but if I can't come, you make sure you walk worthy of the gospel of Christ that I may hear, keep on in verse 27, that I may hear of you that you're standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation. And that's from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should... Not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Let's think about living a life worthy of the gospel of Christ, as presented here in the scripture this morning. It reminded me of a time when I was uh, first, second grade, so about seven years old. And I got to visit my grandfather on my dad's side. Uh, one of the last times I saw him before visited him for his passing. Um, but it's my first sleepover with my granddad. And um, so I got there. I got checked into the little room that I was going to be in. And my grandfather called me to supper. Grandmama's fixed great meal. need you to come to supper now. I don't remember really remember what I was doing. I just remembered mm, not going now. Uh Uh-uh. I'm gonna go when I wanna go. You ever have a child like that? I was that child. That I'm gonna do what I want to do when I wanna do it. And it's not that I didn't want to eat supper, I just wanted to be on my terms. So I didn't go. My grandfather came into the room a second time and said, uh, David, it's time for supper. You need to come supper. I said, yeah, right. Yeah. I said that to me. I didn't say that to him. <laughs> and so I said, okay, you know, and be there. And I didn't get there. He comes into my room the third time, and he says, I need you to wash your hands. I see they're dirty. Go into the bathroom. Wash your hands get into the uh, dining room within five minutes or you won't eat supper with us tonight. And I thought, grandparents are supposed to spoil their kids. (laughs) There's no way I'm not eating. So I waited the five minutes and then I went into the bathroom and started washing my hands knowing five minutes is up. He comes into the bathroom and says, when you finish washing your hands, you go do what you want to do. You're not eating tonight. And I thought, really? For real? Well, I finished washing my hands. I walked into the dining room. They're already sitting down. They've already prayed. They're starting to eat. And I come to the table. He says, no, sir. Uh Uh-uh. You were given three chances. You don't eat. Tonight. I have not, I don't know that I've ever missed a meal since. (laughs) But what I do know is that I could trust my grandfather's words and that to live in his house, I had to live worthy of obedience to those words. He wasn't joking, he wasn't being harsh, he wasn't being mean. He was just saying in a nice way, I got two commands. Be polite and be punctual. That's not hard. Your grandmother has worked hard to prepare a meal. Be polite, show up, and show up on time. That is not hard to live with. He made that clear to me. I have never forgotten it. And I have respected him greatly to this day that I missed a meal. Because I learned life is to be lived in a certain manner that matters to others. It needs to be lived in a manner worthy of those you're living for and living with. So when Paul speaks here in Philippians, only he said, I don't know if I'm going to see you. I don't know if I'm going to get to preach to you. I don't know what else is going to happen in this life. This may be it for me. Only let your manner of life be worthy, please. I don't ask much. Let it be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So I think we need to stop and reflect and meditate. What does that mean? There's a manner of living you and I should exhibit where other people say, those people are related to Christ. Those people are committed to good news that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners among which they are in that group. They're sinners, they're saved by grace and they live in a manner consistent with gratitude for their Savior. Do people see that of us? Do they see that our Manner of life is radically different because of who we serve, because of who we live for, because of our Redeemer. Um, what does that mean? Help us grow in this thing called the uh, gospel. The gospel just—the word just means good news. Walk in a manner consistent with the good news of Christ Uh, that's what we need to do Paul says the first word verse 27 only in other words whatever happens only I don't know whatever happens let it happen that we're going to be responsible believers living a life in a manner other people see it's consistent with Christ Um, what is that As I look through this passage, I see three things that we're going to live a manner of living that's be the church, be contenders, be courageous. If I were the Apostle Paul, I'm about to die, and I got one message, would that be it? don't know if I'm going to see you again or not. Be the church. Be contenders. Be courageous. That's what he leaves us here. Be the church. Be contenders. And be courageous. Let's look at it. First of all, verse 27. Be the church. He says, let your manner of life only... Let it be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear that you are standing firm, one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. I want to hear that you're being the church. You're side by side together, hand in hand together. You are living together as the church. Be the church. It's interesting. Standing firm. Look at this phrase. So that whether I come see you or whether I'm absent, you're standing firm in one spirit. He didn't say in the Holy Spirit. That's the difference. I want you to be standing firm in one. In other words, you are, you have a spirit among yourselves. It's, a, it's called a spirit of unity. It's called a spirit of the church. You're one in Christ. He so said, "I want you to." This is not. There are other passages that talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm not negating that. I'm just saying this is not one of those passages. This is a passage about one in unity. One together. One among yourselves. That that we have a spirit about ourselves that we're one in Christ. And that that's exhibited. I'm with you. You're with me. I stand for you. You stand for me. You come against me. You come against all. That kind of spirit. That we are one in spirit. We're being the church and I don't know what his world was like, but if he were speaking today, he's speaking into a world of individualism. And he says, In in, in this world, you're different. You're not individuals. You are a corporate body. You belong to one another and you do life together. That's who you are. That's what you do. Uh, You don't don't wake up thinking it's about me. It's not about you. It's about us. We are that group that God has chosen and purchased through the blood of Christ to be his for all eternity. Be the church. That's where Paul is speaking to us here. Let me uh, look at a few other verses with you. Look at Ephesians four three through four. Ephesians four. Beginning verse three says, Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope. That belongs to your call. It's one body. There's one spirit. I want you to see that. I want you to be unified in that. I don't I want you to be rid of this independent individual thinking. Uh, I want you to have a one-mindedness of being together in Christ look at a, 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 uh, Proverbs chapter 6 Proverbs chapter 6 Proverbs chapter 6 beginning verse 16 there's six things the Lord hates seven that are an abomination to him Haughty eyes, lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart devised wicked plans, feet that make haste to run evil, a false witness who breathes out lies. And notice the last one, seven. And one who sows discord among brothers. God said, I hate, I hate, I hate, I hate, 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 hate discord in my family. I want my family to be one. I want them to be known as family. I want them to be known as lovers of one another, as taking care of one another. That's what I want. I hate it when that's not the case. Look at John chapter 17, 17 through 21. John 17, beginning at verse 17, says, sanctify them in the truth your word is truth as you sent me into the world so I've sent them into the world and for their sake I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth I don't ask for these only but also for those who will believe that's you and me through their word that they may all be one there's a unity just as you father are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, and I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you send me, and love them even as you love me this unity that we're to have is a witness to the world the world you know the world that you live in so individualistic we all have our own individual devices and we all do our own little thing and and the world looks at us and says y'all put down your devices don't you and y'all talk to one another and y'all have feast where you eat and you drink and you play and you pray and you enjoy one another. Wow, we don't do that. And, and, and God says, that's what I want the world to see, you in love with you, all of you. One in Christ where you're not trying to find ways to tear one another down, but build one another up. I went to duck hunting one uh, early morning on the Black River swamp down in the lower part of the state. I went with a church officer, just pointing that out, that uh, they're supposed to take care of me, right? And um, it was a deacon. You know, deacons are supposed to care. That's what they're called to do. So we go into this swamp early in the morning, and um, it's dark, and we get out of our little John boat, get into water about this deep, and he tells me, stand over here by this tree. So I'm standing right here by the tree, and we're going to wait for ducks to come in. The tree's my camouflage. He's standing over there by that beam by his tree, and in between us are decoys, so that the dots come right in between us, okay? And they're going to land out here or they're going to land over here. There's only one place you don't shoot in this scenario. That way. (laughs) And that person's not supposed to shoot this way. Everybody knows that. The number one rule when you own a gun is you point it in a safe direction. That's what you do. Whether it's loaded or not loaded, always keep the gun in a safe direction. So I'm sitting here beside this tree, you know, uh, kind of freezing, it's cold, and wondering if ducks are going to come in, see these decoys, and we're going to shoot ducks. And just as it's starting to get light, you hear the wood ducks whistle. (whistles) You know, here they come. They're fixing to come right in. I knew they were coming in. And so I hear them out of my left ear. I look. I look. And I see his gun come up, pointed straight towards me. And I'm thinking, what is he thinking? And he pulls the trigger, and it's just dark enough I could see sparks coming out of the barrel. That's the bullets coming out. And they're headed right towards me, and I scream. I don't know what I scream. I just said, no! And I turn. One caught me in the shoulder, one of the pellets. One caught me right there. You feel that spot. It's hard. There's a big skull bone right there. And that pellet caught me right there. And the deacon said, oh, no, I shot the preacher. (laughs) I was... uh, Grateful, thankful that I was able to go home, look in the mirror, take my pocket knife and pull that thing out. And put a little, I, old school, I put a little turpentine on there. And uh, I was good to go. <clears throat> you don't shoot the preacher. <laughs> Man, I've used that story so many times down there. You don't shoot the preacher. You don't shoot your spouse. You don't shoot your kids. You don't shoot your parents. You don't shoot your brothers and sisters in Christ. That's not what we do. We build one another up. We build one another up. That's what we do. Be the church. Be the church. We don't fight one another. We don't scream at one another. We don't complain about one another. We build one another up. Be the church. You know that's important. And there's times where we have fallen short of that. And we have not been building one another up. God says, I, I, I want to see, if, whether I come to you or not, I want to be, be able to see that you're one spirit, you're one mind, you're one body. I want to I see that, that you are unified, that you build one another up in Christ. Be the church. Second, be contenders. I call this stay in the game. Be a contender. Uh, Notice verse 27 again. It says, so whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I, I hear that you are standing firm. You're there. You're in the game. You didn't run off. You're standing firm in one spirit with one mind. You are striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. You, you're contending, you're there, you're not leaving the scene uh, for the faith of the gospel, for the sake of Christ, you are advancing the church of Christ. Um, you know, when we think about opposing teams, we think about contenders. They are contending for their side, we're contending for our side. And I think it's a good illustration. Just stay in the game. Be a contender. Be the church who is fighting to advance the church. Um, What do you need to know in order to advance the gospel? We're to walk worthy of the gospel of Christ, good news of Christ. Well, you need to know the good news. Well, let's just look at a few places. You know one of the most popular, so you can always do this. No matter who you're with, what you know, look at John three sixteen again. Uh, you know this passage, and say, "Well, I need to be one who advances uh, the gospel of Christ." So let me advance this: uh, John three verse sixteen. God so loved the world. We have a world God loves. Now the world can have a world of meanings. For the sake of argument, this morning the world here is the world of the church, the world of Christ, the world of Christ's family. God loves his family. He's purchased us with his own blood. God so loved his church, his family. Present that as good news. God has a people that he loves dearly. He gives his own son. That he gave, see the next phrase, He gave his only son for us. Who did Christ die for? For his family, for his people. We know that. He he is not being thwarted. He did not die needlessly. There there are a people that are being purchased by his blood, saved and given a mansion in glory. Christ so loved them. Loved us that whosoever, whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Who goes to heaven? Who gets to experience an eternal heaven of happiness? Those who believe. You say, well, that seems prejudiced. Well, no, it's not. You believe. Go ahead and believe. If you haven't believed yet, what's holding you back? Believe. Whoever believes in him will not perish. That is good news. What worthy of that? Contend for that. Stay in the game for that. Make sure we teach our kids. We saw 60 of them on stage. Make sure we tell our kids what I'm contending for in front of you is that you believe. I used to tell my kids every single day, trust, believe in the God-man Jesus because he saves your life. He's the only one. I contend for that. I still do that with my grandkids. Do you do that? Do you, are you in the game? My mission is to tell you, believe, trust the God-man Jesus. He alone saves lives. He alone, no one else. Believe in Him that you might have eternal life. Our job is to be presenting that message. That's walking worthy. We're being the church in unison. We all do that. We present the message of Christ To believe in the Lord Jesus Christ that you might be saved. Give you another place. It's just plain and clear. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2. First 10 verses. Love this passage on the gospel of Christ. Ephesians 2. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. In which you once walked, according to the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirits that's now in the work at, at work in the sons of disobedience. So, uh, just so you know, here we're talking about spiritual uh, existence. You were dead in your trespasses, spiritually dead <coughs> in your trespasses and sins, in which you walked. So you're up uh, walking around. Following the course of this world, this is what everybody does. course of the world is, this is what the world does. What world? This time, the world is those who are following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit, that's now at work in the sons of disobedience. The world here is not the world of God's family. The world here is the world under the leadership of the devil. And you once were under his leadership. You walked. He said something. He said, walk this way, you walk this way. He says, walk this way, you walk this way. He says, lust after her, lust after him. You did it. You walked according to Satan's desires. We're created that way. Dead to God, alive to Satan. That's our Birth condition. Verse 3. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. We did what pleases us. Carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So you live this life according to your own pleasures and desires. You look out for number one yourself. And you become, as a result of that, you are a child of wrath. You're under the wrath of God, just like the rest of mankind. Under the wrath of God, you are going to die and perish in hell forever. That's our condition. We're born into it. What a beautiful verse. Verse 4. But God rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us even when we were dead and our trespasses made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and he raised us up with him and he seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the surpassing the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. We're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. What a beautiful passage. God being rich in mercy. When we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Made us alive together. With Christ. So that we might show the surpassing immeasurable. Grace of God. Loving kindness of God. For all eternity. What good news. If you don't know that grace. Beg God for it. God. I don't know that I've been changed. I feel like my heart is. Still lusting after things. That please me. I'm dead spiritually to you. And I need to be made alive together with Christ so that my life is lived showing forth the surpassing, immeasurable, loving kindness of God. If that's not what your life is showing, you've not been changed. That's a radical difference. There's no way those two looked alike. One, I'm living to please myself. I'm lusting after what pleases me. Another, I am showing forth the immeasurable love of God for a sinner. You understand, right? Those don't look the same. When people say to me, Christians don't look any different from non-Christians, I said, no, I don't believe it, don't trust it. That's not what the Bible says. We are radically different and transformed by the grace of God. I have been saved by grace. Not of works. I don't boast in myself. I boast in Christ. And that is radically different. Be the church and stay in the game. Show forth Christ. Not ourselves. Not what we've done. Not what we think. Show the loving kindness and mercy of Christ for sinners like us. That's what the Apostle Paul is asking. Too often we depend upon ourselves. We depend on one or two of us. It needs to be all of us. Nobody comes to Christ, it seems, according to the surveys, by hearing the gospel one time. Most people come to Christ hearing the gospel six to eight times according to the survey, which means I'm at a funeral and somebody says, well, George died. I guess we all have to die and i respond we all have to die the main thing is that we're ready and that's all i say and the person leaves thinking and then he runs into one of you he says i guess we all die i guess we just need to be ready yeah we need to be ready to see jesus then they've heard twice the gospel. What they've heard is it's appointed that the man wants to die and after that the judgment. Hebrews 9.27. So they're they're hearing the word of God. They've heard it once. They've heard it twice. They go to another and they think you know, am I ready? What do I need to be ready for? And somebody else gives a little bit more. And after six or eight conversations the person Gets to the place, wow, I I need to believe Christ. We all need to be doing our part, whatever that little part is. Don't depend on the preacher. Don't depend on the teacher. All of us show forth the surpassing goodness and glory and loving kindness of Christ to sinners. He says you were saved for that purpose. Let me read it again. Ephesians 2, verse 7. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. That's witnessing that God shows forth the immeasurable kindness of his riches towards a sinner like you. And in the next verse, for by grace you're saved. We know by grace we're saved. We're supposed to show forth that grace. We're supposed to show people, that happened to me. Unbelievable, I was made alive together with Christ when I was dead in my trespasses and sins. God so loved the world, this world of sinners, this world of his church, that he gave his son to take my sin. And he gave me life in him. Third thing, be courageous. So worthy of the gospel. Let's live constant lives of being the church. Let's be contenders for the gospel. Let's be courageous. This is a powerful verse. I haven't really thought about it so much. Verse 28, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. That's that's a difficult command for me. David, I don't want you to be frightened in anything by your opponents. Philippians 1, verse 28. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. You're clearly showing them you're saved when you are not frightened in any way by anything. Your opponents throw to you. Wow that's what God wants and and he, he says it like we should just be there are you there you're not frightened by anything your opponents throw at you and in not being frightened you're declaring to them showing to them I'm safe. you can't hurt me I used to uh, lead uh, cave exploration when I was in college. I was a spelunker. And I would get uh, four, five, six, up to seven people from college campus. And instead of staying up all night studying for exams, we would cave at night. Not study at all for the exam. And... With just your headlights on, you know I'm coming up to a cavern and you'd look down the edge and it could go two three hundred feet deep. And we got to step over this cavern to keep going. And I would have people come up to the edge, just jump and I'm sitting there you know, just jump. And they're going, uh-. Uh-uh. That scares me. And so sometimes I would I would stand on this edge and I would just fall across and put my hands and make a bridge. I said, well, just step right here in my back. You know, I'm here. And you're good. I said, you could push me down and I could fall. I don't think it's going to happen. I wouldn't be offering this. I said, you could still fall. And here's my, here's my one-liner that I just loved. And then people would theologically just mess with them. I said, if I fall or you fall, you're a believer, right? Just make you perfect. It'll just make you perfect. And they said, what? I said, there is no fear. No fear at all. I won't get worse by going down this crack. I will only get better. I am in Christ. Are you? And it made them really think, am I really in Christ? Because if I'm really in Christ, there's no not salvation. I am saved. I won't fall down the crack and then all of a sudden not be saved. All of a sudden not be fixed. All of a sudden not become like Christ. Become perfect in Christ. If I die, I'm with Christ. I am His eternally perfect, glorified, redeemed, sanctified in Him. The bride of Christ. Do we not get that? He says, when you get that, and the enemy attacks it, bring it on, guys. Come on. You don't hurt me. I am not frightened by anything. Because I'm in Christ. And in Christ, it's only up from here. It only gets better. There's no downside to this. In Christ, it's only up. And that's what the Apostle Paul is saying to us in this verse. You're not frightened by anything, in anything by your opponents. It's a clear sign. They're going to be destroyed, but not you. I'm of a elect, chosen, redeemed, purchased Group. I've got my ticket to glory, and it was purchased with the blood of the glory maker. I'm his. I'll be okay. Are you there? Are you that courageous? Or are you not even fighting that war? Maybe you're in the wrong war, friends. Maybe you've invented something that's not real. You're not even thinking this way. It's between heaven and hell, it's between God and Satan. And we got to get back in the game and we got to be courageous. Notice the end of verse 28 Destruction, but of your salvation, and that, the last two words. From God. Where do we get salvation? From God. Those are two words to circle. I'm saved because of God. It's not about me. I'm not depending on me to be strong and courageous. I'm depending on God to do what he says. I'm saved. He saved me. That's enough. So, Let's be the sign. Let's be courageous. Let's let people know we are saved. It's from God. Verse 29, it's been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. I don't have time to explain that. Take that and meditate on it. Suffer for his sake. Where does the Bible say you're supposed to have an easy life? Here it says you're supposed to suffer for his sake. How about put that on a plaque and put it over your microwave? So that you see it every day. That's how I cook, right? Is that how you cook? You see it every day. Suffer for his sake. I'm not sure we We meditate on that enough and even think about it. We want ease for his sake. We want peace for his sake. We want joy for his sake. He says, not only believe in him, yeah, I know I got to do that, but also suffer for him. Engage in the same conflict that you saw I had and now here that I still have. The Apostle Paul, he says, you've seen an example of this. I suffered while I was with you. I suffered again. I go to jail. You heard I had a little time of peace. Hey, I suffer more. I kind of expect to go to my grave suffering for his sake. The Christian life is not one where that goes away. We suffer for his sake, but then we're glorified because of his love. Be the church. Be contenders for the gospel, the good news of Christ. And be courageous. You may suffer, 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 suffer. Stand up to it. It's for him who saves you and glorifies you and takes you to himself. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, your truth. There's so much for us to learn and be transformed by. Transform us, oh God. Let us come out of this world and its values and be the light of the world. Be the city set on a hill. Let us be the church so transformed that others are in awe of how we have been radically changed and loved by you. Father, for those in this place that are playing church, that are playing with you, that are putting off a submission to you, change them, we ask. Grant them Saving grace, oh Lord, build your church. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.